This is the ExtraTime.com Friday podcast. I'm Machine Langan, and you might as well just accept it. You cannot escape the Ryder Cup this weekend, even if you don't like golf. It's one of those strange events, and I'm going to be completely unoriginal in my observation here, that in the lead-up to it, it can be quite annoying. After it's on, you nearly forget it ever happened. But while it's on, you are all in. Uh, you're practically there with your face painted in the European flag colours. It'll be the exact same this weekend, so just accept that now. We'll look back on it in full on Monday with Golf Digest senior writer Ronan McNamara. Ronan also um, contributes to extratime.com. It's a huge weekend for the Irish rugby team as they try and qualify for the World Cup. If they can beat Scotland, they have a chance. They need a bit of a favour perhaps in the Spain-Italy game, depending on how that game goes. But uh, yeah, hopefully they can do it and we reflect on that on Monday. The United Rugby Championship, by the way, starts this weekend. Teams from South Africa, Italy, Ireland, Scotland and Wales involved. A couple of new teams in from South Africa. There's a new format. How's it going to go? Well, I guess we'll see this season. They've tweaked it and they've changed the name. It's a competition that's always had the potential but has never quite captured the imagination of the general sports fan. Rugby fans, yes. The general sports fan, no. It's got free-to-air television coverage which is very, very important. And that's something we will talk about, by the way, free-to-air coverage and how it can benefit a sport in our chat with Stephen Finn in just a moment. Also today, look, a, a huge game tonight, if you're listening on Friday, in the SSC or Tristity League. St. Pat's taking on Shamrock Rovers. Uh, St. Pat's really need to win if they're to have a realistic chance of taking the title. We'll hear from current Saint Robbie Benson and we'll hear from Rovers Dylan Watts. We also talked to Sean Boyd of Finn Harps about... Why Ollie Horgan always looks behind rather than ahead when it comes to the league table and Sean Boyd's own resurgence. As well as that, Will Patching of Dundalk will talk to us about what has been a strange season so far and we'll have Bohemians at Georgie Kelly. I almost said Dundalk's Georgie Kelly there. Um, we do ask him about Dundalk and the fact that he, he left there, uh, but he's not in any way bitter, which is, which is really cool. He's a great guy to chat to and I'm looking forward to bringing that to you a little bit later on. First though, It's Stephen Finn. He's here to talk to us about the League of Ireland, uh, the women's team winning during the week against Australia. That was a huge win. He'll also look ahead to the big Premier League clash of the weekend, Chelsea and Manchester City. Uh, Stephen, the first question, as always, is the most important one. How are you? Very good, Oshin. You'll know Stephen from his work as a UEFA A-licensed coach and also your football blog. Where can we catch that, Stephen? It's uh, futsalfin.wordpress.com. It's always worth a read. It makes sense of football and doesn't get carried away in emotion, which sometimes we are guilty of in all aspects of life, but especially uh, football. We'll get to the League of Ireland in a moment. We'll also talk about uh, Manchester City and Chelsea in the Premier League. But a great result for the Republic of Ireland uh, during the week, beating Australia 3-2. Vera Pau said before the game, you know what, there's no point in us playing a team that are ranked low in the rankings just to get a win. We'd rather lose and learn in this particular game because it was a friendly than beat someone 5-0 and take nothing from it. It turns out they did a bit of both. They both learned and won. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was really interesting for me uh, looking at uh, women's football this week. There was some colossal uh, lopsided victories, uh, like 10-0, 9-0, and. Certainly there is a serious gap between the very best countries and the emerging nations. So Ireland could easily have picked the team uh, just to beat them. Uh, and look, I get it. You know, I actually think what happened with the, sen- the senior men when they played uh, Andorra, despite criticism, and they didn't actually, from what I understand, they didn't pick Andorra, just uh, a different fixture fell and Andorra came up and they decided to go for it. But obviously it got them the win that that team needed. And you could have said, okay, maybe uh, the women's team, uh, I think they'd gone seven in a row without a win. Uh, you know, maybe they could do the same. But uh, Vera's right, you know, the sense of achievement from beating a team that's just had a great Olympics, 11 in the world, Australia, uh, will certainly give the Irish players confidence that they can uh, take on anybody. I know Sweden obviously are a notch above Australia, but they're not like 20 notches above them. They're a couple of notches um, and will be a serious uh, challenge. But now we can go into the qualifiers thinking, 
you know what, when we do our stuff right, we can we can beat teams. Um, what impressed me the other night, I was thrilled to see uh, Savannah McCarthy back because I think she is literally one of the best uh, home-produced players we've had. Um, and pro- I, I couldn't believe it's been, uh, I think, like five years, maybe six years since our last cap. Because to me, she's a warrior. And uh, Alex Ferguson always used to say, before you get off the bus, count how many warriors you have and if you don't have three at least in your team you've no chance uh, and uh, Savannah's a warrior and playing beside Louise Quinn there's two out and out competitors straight away um, and uh, you know both of them had massive influences on the results um, and what was also very impressive was uh, you know we, we got the fortunate goal to the deflections Um and sometimes it seemed that look was never coming our way with the Irish team. Uh, but when the uh, look went against us, you know, the, a couple of the goals uh, definitely could have been avoided. Uh, we didn't look at our toes uh, and maybe that warrior mentality came through the team. Um, and, and, you know, to score three goals against Australia was brilliant. Uh, and Lucy Quinn looks like a, a fantastic addition and it's probably given the team that little bit of directness and aggression in attack. We have a lot of good attacking players who all of whom I would rate very highly. Uh, Rihanna, Jared, Amber Barrett, uh, Claire Shine, um, uh, Saoirse Noonan, who I don't think we've seen an awful lot of yet in the in the green jersey, but again, someone who is super talent. But maybe they need someone who's just that little bit more streetwise and just knows our, our way to goal and uh, Lucy Quinn certainly looks like that so I think uh, after the tough uh, spell that the team has been through the sense of achievement uh, and togetherness added to a good result at least puts them uh, really heading in the right direction and it's great to see It's great as well that there's a mix of home base players that are in action in the Women's National League and a few who are overseas as well. It's nice to have that mix that you can actually see these players up close at the weekend if you choose to. Yeah, absolutely. Look, what we want for uh, all levels of Irish football is that we can give our players the best opportunity to play their sport at the highest level that they can. And sometimes that will mean someone like Kate McCabe will go and play for Arsenal uh, or Louise Quinn will go uh, around Europe uh, or uh, Denise O'Sullivan will go to America. But what we want is for our domestic league to get to the stage where we're we're paying our players to play and we're having attendances which reflect that and then we're having TV deals which uh, reflect the quality of the players. Like, you only have to look at social media to see uh, teams posting fantastic goals from the Women's National League on a regular basis. I know the efforts that, uh, that the, the, the teams put in and the players put in um, to to reach a high level. But uh, I honestly believe there are more levels for the game in this country to reach. Um, despite all that, people should really understand how far women's football has come and I don't mean this in a patronising way but like in the 80s 90s uh, having a women's national league seemed fanciful uh, now we have we've had a decade of uh, the women's national league and I think a bit like the MLS uh, the, the major soccer league in America you know uh, people who would have been interested in that would have just been happy to see it last longer than the, the NASL that Pele played in and they, you know they're I think they're heading towards 30 years for the MLS and that's when your league starts to really grow. And for our Women's National League, uh, heading into the second decade, you know, we want to have more teams uh, around the country. Um, And I know clubs like Finn Harps and Sligo uh, are looking at ways that they can do that. We want every talented young uh, footballer, uh, male or female, to have the opportunity to play at a national level in their own country and then if they reach a level where somebody wants to pay them lovely money to play uh, for a Champions League team or a, or a team that's uh, got a significant budget well that's great but we want to we want to get we want to get there and we're not going to get there uh, by standing still it's by that relentless pursuit of excellence and I think there's enough people now uh, in, in women's football who understand that and want that In the Men's League of Ireland 
tonight, as most people are listening to this podcast, which has come out on a Friday, um, it's St. Pat's against Shamrock Rovers. It's a big game. Before we talk about that, though, one of the big talking points from the League of Ireland during the week was not a game, even though there was plenty to talk about with Georgie Kelly scoring one of the great goals and uh, Dundalk beating Finn Harps 3-1 in the Cup and um, Dundalk having to play a couple of young fellas who impressed, by the way. I was at Oriel Park and thought they really stood up. But anyway... Um, one of the big talking points of the week has been a podcast. LOI Central, Declan McBennett, the head of sport of RTE, spoke to Johnny and Dan, and it has been debated ad nauseum since, even though it only came out um, yesterday or whatever. I appreciate you haven't had the chance to listen to the full thing yet, Stephen, but you do have your views on promoting the League of Ireland and how that can be done through TV. And maybe that you know the fact that maybe there is a halfway meeting point between RTE or whoever, whichever broadcaster, and maybe the league itself. Mm, yeah, well, look, firstly, uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, I've only listened to snatches of, of what uh, Declan said. And my personal dealings with him, I have the height, the respect for him as an individual. Um, and I, I genuinely think that, you know, there's this... Uh, I don't think it's an inferiority complex, maybe it's a persecution complex, but there's there's a, a bed of people who support League of Ireland who would look at, at Declan and say, oh, he's from GAA country, doesn't care about soccer and all that. Or if he talk, does, it's only UK yeah. soccer, you know what I mean? Yeah, or, or I'll put it to you this way. When I was in News Talk, I used to get an awful lot to your rugby station or your GAA station. And one that used to always make me laugh was people giving out to me about the coverage News Talk didn't do while I was at League of Ireland games. Anyway, sorry, I cut across you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but I look, I know I know Declan, you know, during the Jack Charlton era would have been very passionate about Irish football. And, you know, his career has gone on and he's got massive responsibility. But I don't believe that RT's uh, attitude to Irish football rests solely on his shoulders, uh, like he's flicking some switch to decide uh, where they're going to spend all of their money. Uh, there will be strategies that the that the whole organisation will uh, want to pursue. My point on it is I do believe that the current model is set up for failure simply because television is about consistency. To see Italian football, you know there'll always be a game on on a Sunday evening. You know there'll always be a Spanish match on a, a Saturday evening. Sky created the Monday night football, uh, and you know you know if you turn on a, on a, on television on a Monday night on International Week, you'd be surprised. Geez, there's no club match on uh, in the, in the Premier League tonight, and then you realise oh it's international. Uh, and because it becomes so consistent, I was making the point about uh, Coronation Street. If Coronation Street only came out every so often, uh, its followership, followership would drop off dramatically. If the Sunday game live only occasionally showed a live game, I would say the attendance figures or audience figures would drop drop by a quarter of a million because the television is a... Uh, it's a part of it. It has to be a consistent model and you have to understand where it is and what it's going to be. If RT don't feel that that's what they want to do, that's okay. You know, let let them say, right, we we'll just we'll step away and let's look. Uh, personally, I would love to see TG Carr uh, sit down with um, with the FAI, with the League of Ireland, and say, look, let's do this brilliantly because I know uh, TG Carr can do anything they do uh, in sport is at of the highest level and there's enough Gaelgars around Irish football that could give them a fantastic product because ultimately around Europe, around the world, uh, a lot of TV companies want to buy the local soccer league because the local soccer league gives them an opportunity to embed itself in the local culture. It's a it's you know it's the sport that most people want to want to buy. In Ireland, for whatever reason it's uh, GEA. GEA gets about 14 billion a year in TV money. If Irish soccer had 14 million a year uh, invested in it, uh, it would be a different landscape. But in the short term, what Irish football needs is a TV partner who says, I will broadcast a game every single Friday night. I will broadcast the Women's National League at whatever time that works for them. I'll put together a big show that will have a, a live broadcast every week. There'll be the goals from all the other games. We'll have real proper analysis. And uh, if that's in the Irish language, I don't think anyone would really uh, mind. We'd all could uh, benefit from learning the couple of football and we would then have real consistency and then we could honestly say, okay, uh, our league, 
we, we know it's a good league, but our league uh, is a good package too. And then uh, we would know what we could achieve. Doing it in a scattergun approach, it's guaranteed for failure because television is about consistency. TG Carr and Orti have worked together well in the past on the, the Women's World Cup and they're doing it with the um, United Rugby Championship now as well. So it is possible. Look, let's talk about the big game um, over the weekend, St. Pat's taking on Shamrock Rovers. I was talking to Robbie Benson about this and um, I'm, I'm referencing an interview that will be played later in the podcast, but I'm not spoiling it. And I said, Robbie, this is kind of like not a title decider, but if you don't win, I don't think you'd win the title. It doesn't mean your season is over because you still want to secure Europe. You still have the cup, but it's it's effectively a night that if you don't win the title or don't win the match, you've no chance of winning the title. Now he said that's not the case, but I think realistically it is, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think traditionally, if you look at uh, uh, the league, whoever wins the most matches uh, of their last ten rounds, uh, last ten games, generally wins the league. You know, um, especially when it's the top uh, two or three. Uh, so essentially, if Sligo won all their last ten games, that's thirty points, and they could even because that was obviously mean they would beat Rovers and they'd beat Pats in that cycle, and it would give them an opportunity to overtake who those ahead of them. But we we now feel that it's going to be Pats or Rovers and the odds are uh, strongly in Rovers' favour as they've six points more and they've uh, a game in hand. But uh, if Pats win, then, you know, uh, it becomes a lot closer and then it means one little slip as the like Rovers lost to Finn Harps recently. Um, the, the race stays alive Um so look, we're definitely going to be seeing what I consider the best two teams in the in the division this year. There's been teams who have produced better individual moments, but in terms of those teams that have actually been consistently good, I think Rovers and, and Pats are up there. So it makes for a very intriguing game for me anyway. What kind of game do you think it will be? Um, well... I, I was just looking earlier on, I was trying to get my head around, like I've seen an awful lot of Pats and I've seen uh, Rovers predominantly on television. Um, well, my feeling was they were two passing sides and what I, when I looked at it, it was interesting. I saw on Scout the average possession both teams have had, uh, Pats have averaged 55% possession in their, uh, in their league games and Rovers 60%. So, Something's got to give there. You know, two teams are used to dominating possession in their games. Pats were averaging just under 450 passes a game. Rovers over 500 passes a game. So you're talking about two teams that uh, that like to pass the ball. So we get, we'll get we get a real feel for uh, the passing quality within the league. Um, but the worry is that they'll neutralise themselves. Um both teams, on average, they'll score a goal a game. So I would anticipate, you know, there will be goals, but I don't, uh, I could be completely proven wrong, but I don't believe there'll be an awful lot of goals. I think it'll be quite tense um, and it could be a case of who blinks first. But um, yeah, I, I, I think the Rovers have the edge on just, they've conceded less goals. They've both scored roughly the same Um I think Rovers just have that. Uh, they just seem less likely to concede uh, for whatever reason. Now, Pat's. I don't know if Lee Desmond will be uh, fit enough to come back. Uh, he's a massive part of their team, uh, both defensively and in the creation of of the play because he's so comfortable playing out from the back. Um, and that will be very interesting. It's down. It will be really interesting to see who both managers can patch up to play in the game. I'm sure they will all want fellas to play through the pain barrier. Um, and and if you're a player at that level, you would want to. Uh, but I do think it's going to be quite a tense game. I was reading somewhere, I think it was the RTE website earlier on, that not since 87-88 has a team won the league without beating one of their real competitors over three or four matches. Mm. Um, Shamrock Rovers will fancy their chances of beating Pats tonight in in what they refer to as a Dublin derby rather than the Dublin derby. And that's something <laughs> I got into with Robbie Benson as to whether or not they're offended by that. But um, yeah. like they found a way to win most games this season, Shamrock Rovers, which is what makes me kind of fancy them for this. Yeah, and you know they've got uh, a few players. Uh, 
who scored a, scored goals for them. Gaffney has really uh, kicked on um, and has become a, a real key part of their attack um, with eight goals. Mandrew also uh, and and Graham Burke also with eight goals. So like they've got. You know they've got players right up there amongst the top scorers in the division, and you d- you do feel that if um if Plan A isn't working with personnel, Stephen Bradley can probably shuffle things around and come up with a very good Plan B. Um, you know the likes of Aaron Green um coming in, he might he might even start. It might be a game where where uh, Bradley fancies him. Um, so are you, are you setting up a certain way if you start Aaron Green because the the image I have of when they start Aaron Green is. is they want to try and stretch teams out a bit and maybe he has to just accept he's plowing a bit of a lone furrow. If I have that wrong, by the way, completely, completely tell me. Uh, no, I, I think like Aaron likes to drift left. So uh yeah, he's he's very useful in giving matches if you're if you're playing like in Europe or whatever where they were playing teams where maybe they would play defending against a higher line or something like that. He definitely would get in behind. But but I think you know, it's more like trying to work out where where they think uh, whatever chinks are in the same Pat's defense are. You know, um, Pat's of uh, like uh, uh, Barrett and Bone. You know, strong strong men down the center of their defense. They'll probably like ha- having a battle with with Gaffney. So maybe they might think. Uh, to give him something different to think about. Um, you know, where Green might try and pull a player into a wider position and get in a one-on-one with him. Um, that might be a, a tactic that Rovers might use. I think at the other end of the pitch, uh, like Rovers' defence has been has been really good. But Pats are kind of like playing, have played a front line recently where you would say that, I wouldn't say it's a false nine, but they're playing lads uh, who have completely different attributes. Like Matty Smith uh, looks like a winger, but has been playing more centrally Um Billy King has been flitting from wing to wing. Darburns, like Darburns, to me has been uh, one of the phenomenons of the season. You know, he's only uh, nineteen, and he's a key part of the attack on uh, a team in the top two in the league world. You know, he's he's great to watch. He's got uh, even though he's left footed, he prefers playing on the right, cutting inside. He scored twice against Wexford doing that last week, and it'll be very interesting to see him getting. 1v1 against uh, one of the uh, Rovers defenders because all of the Rovers defenders are top class players but when you've got like a fella who can twist you uh, inside and out um, if he gets a run at you um, I'm sure Pats will be looking to get Burns on the ball and doing his stuff uh, because I think he would fancy himself in a 1v1 against uh, any player in the league so like that's going to be really interesting to see um how Rovers try and deal with him and how, how Pats look to get him on the ball in the attack and third. Does the league and the product need a Pats win, if you follow my logic there? Yeah, well, I said that two weeks ago when uh, Pats played Sligo and then Sligo, uh, Sligo were excellent and uh, and 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 put a, a flying item for Pats that day. Although, I did, looking at it, I did think at the time the goals came... Uh, just to knock the momentum out of Pats when Pats looked like they were getting back in it. And yeah, look, I think there's nothing better than a, a title race that goes all the way to the wire. And over the years, our league usually had two teams going right till the last couple of games of the season. Um, last year was a bit of, uh, and probably with Dundalk before that as well, there was probably a case where the the you know the, the, the race wasn't really much of a race or didn't last long enough to be compelling. It was like watching Dublin, the Leinster Championship over the years. Uh, after after a period of time, the competitiveness went out a bit. Um, so, yeah, it would definitely be, uh, if you're being neutral, it would definitely be uh, more interesting if uh, Pats can uh, can put another dent uh, in the Rovers' uh, title charge. But if you're being objective, you'd have to say that uh, Rovers are definitely the favourites. Just before we move on to the Premier League, we've got Georgie Kelly coming up in a while. He kind of laughed and was very modest when I said that he scored one of the greatest goals I've ever seen in the League of Ireland during the week. Uh, Stephen, I'm 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 prone to that. I'm prone to being a bit hyperbolic and you know being a bit Sky Sportsy, seeing the positives and everything and overselling. But was I right in that case? Was it one of the best League of Ireland goals ever? 
Oh, it's a beauty. But you know what? There's been so many brilliant goals. Like the goal of the season or the goal of the month even for the last five years has been just, just always beauties. Like, you know, some of the goals that Forrester got uh, over the years, some of the goals that Keith Faye going back in the day, you know, there's there's always great goals. Some some of Bo's goals already this season, uh, um, Liam Burt has he's he's like he's going all mad. Letizia is scoring his own uh, goal goal of the month competition. So you've got serious goals. That was a beautiful goal and a beautiful reaction. And also as to the moment where it came in the game as well, which adds to the whole uh, drama and excitement of it. Uh, and because it took two touches, it looked like he had, uh, you know, your first instinct it was like he's not turning it at the goal, and then suddenly. You know, Marco van Basten style or Dennis Bergkamp style, a fantastic reaction. Um, it's interesting, Georgie, because uh, you know he he'd scored goals in the first division and he looked good without ever really exciting me at Dundalk. I don't know why it didn't work from a Pats, but Bowes have really got him got him flying, and um, you know he's a he's a he's a big strong man. Um, he you know he powers his heart and soul into every part of his game so for, to see uh, the ball uh, flying in off his boot left right and centre uh, is great to see because you know it's a, it's a nice story as much as anything else and um, if he keeps on doing what he's doing uh, who knows uh, what the next step will be for him Okay let's move on to the Premier League Chelsea taking on Manchester City what kind of game do you think that will be that's certainly the big one of the weekend although some will argue Arsenal Spurs but table position wise and title race wise, this is the one. Yeah, it's look, uh, City have just been, you know, it's usually the case of if you finish ahead of City, you win the league, has been the case for the last few years uh, because of their resources, um, because of their manager, because of their players. Um, and then obviously Chelsea had been the, the one before that uh, because of a similar situation. Uh, they've gone through so many managers, unlike City have stuck with uh, Pep now for the last few years. Um, yeah, it's, it is it is interesting. Um, and, you know, two teams who uh, who are diff- very different to watch. So um, that's what I, I would find interesting about them. And, and my good feeling is that Chelsea's attributes are well suited to causing City a lot of problems. Like City uh, don't let in a lot of goals usually, but if you look at, say, the the Leipzig game, uh, they they Leipzig got to the end line and cut the ball back and, and City didn't look hugely comfortable dealing with those opportunities. And with Lukaku up there, um, I think Chelsea will certainly uh, think that if they can get uh, the ball into dangerous areas and and you know, get the ball to the back post. Lukaku would fancy himself uh, to score, so I, I think that will that will be an interesting one. See, he will try and neutralise his impact, and Chelsea obviously will try and maximise it. So that's what uh, that's what I would find uh, an interesting aspect of this game. Last week, Thomas Tuchel was praised for bringing on Kante, and it changed the game. My question is, why didn't he start him in the first place? Or Sometimes as a manager, do you just have to change it at halftime? And actually, you know what? It wasn't a mistake starting the team he started with. Yeah, well, look, I think you can look at things uh, in, in too much of a linear fashion because you think uh, your manager has set his stall out. Um, if he doesn't react to what the opposition do, then he's a fool. So uh, I wouldn't put Tuca down as a fool in any in mm. any way, shape, or form. Sometimes I think he overcomplicates it when, because um, I like uh, I haven't, I've never met Marentum, but uh, I what I've read about him is like he definitely would look to use more than one formation in a match. Maybe even you know make two uh, formation changes in the game, and sometimes he was just doing it on the sense that something happened and he makes, maybe thinks, all right, if we adapt, change the disformation now, we'll really uh, put this opponent uh, to bed. But if you look back to the to the Spurs game, despite all that, I think like two of their goals came uh, from corners, really. So, um, and then the Kante goal was a massive deflection. Like goals really change everyone's perception of what happened in the game, you know. Um, you know, Chelsea were clearly the better team, but 
you know, uh, it wasn't magical play that opened up uh, the game for them. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think I, w- I would say fair play to him for making the adjustment that got his team control of the game um, rather than say, oh, you got it wrong to start. Okay. Stephen Finn, thank you very much for joining us once again. A reminder of where we can catch up with your football blog. Footsoffin.wordpress.com. Stephen, thanks for joining us on the extratime.com Friday podcast. Thank you, Oshin. Always good to hear from Stephen Finn. Now it's time to hear from some players, including Dylan Watts of Shamrock Rovers and Robbie Benson of St. Pat's ahead of tonight's clash in, in Shakur. I'm going to that match. I cannot wait. If you can't get there, you can watch it on RTE2 television. Also, we're going to hear from Georgie Kelly of Bohemians and Sean Boyd of Finn Harps, as well as Will Patching of Dundalk. SSE Artricity League FIFA 22 club match packs are back, featuring the individual club crest of 10 Premier Division teams. These exclusive sleeves will be available to download free from ea.com forward slash games forward slash FIFA forward slash FIFA dash 22 when the game launches next Friday that's the 1st of October at the launch this week I caught up with all of the players I mentioned including Dylan Watts and I started by asking him you know as we were at a FIFA 22 launch I thought it appropriate to talk a bit about gaming I started by asking him if he was a gamer if he played FIFA I am yeah, yeah. are you any good I'm all right not not the best now so well I try and play anyway so when you play FIFA 22 will you be picking yourself or what what will you do I don't know I don't know not not with this year's rating anyway but uh no, I don't think so. Do, you, do you players, do you know lads who look at that and kind of go, how am I that rating? I should be a different rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know a few that think they should be 99 rated anyway, that's for sure. But uh, no, look, it's like I said, it's a, it's a great to be in the game, you know, for for the league and for the players as individuals. So um, it's brilliant. Talk to me about Shamrock Rovers' season so far. Um, some good performances in Europe. I know on the last day you were disappointed, but in the league, look, you're top. I suppose you can't complain. Yeah, no, I can't complain. Um, obviously going really well in the league at the moment. A um, few big games coming up, so uh, we're looking forward to them as well. Obviously disappointing in the cup to, to get knocked out because it was a competition we obviously wanted to do well in. Uh, and Europe is the same as well, you know, to come so close to the group stages, you know, it was obviously disappointing to fall at the last hurdle, really. But I think, you know, since since being knocked out of both, I think the focus is, has been on the league and uh, and getting that done. So it's a, it's going to be a tough challenge. You know, there's tough games left, but uh, games we're looking forward to and hopefully can win. Is there a bit of a chip in the shoulder, chip on the shoulder of some of the Rovers players this year? Or is, do you feel maybe you have something to prove? Because last year you won the league and the league was the league the competition was the competition it was the same for everyone but it was only 18 games and that was kind of used as a stick to beat you with by some and still is do you think you kind of need to win a, a full season of a league yeah I think so like I said uh, there was a few people last season because it was only 18 games you know there was nothing we could do about that um, we had to go and, and do what we had to do and you know I think we went unbeaten last season which is, was going to be a tough tough team to stop in, uh, in any full season but uh I think this year, you know, we've we've come back focused. It was the aim at the start of the season was was to win the league again, um, and I think there's been a focus right from first day of pre-season that that was our goal was to win the league, and everybody pushing in training and in games pushing for places. So it's it's a good group of players, and uh, you know, like I said, we've tough games coming up, but uh, you know, it's it's very doable at the moment. All games are big, but to fans and media, maybe some are bigger than others. Friday night's match against Pats kind of falls into that category. Is that how you look at it, given the advantage you can take if you win? Or in your heads, do you just have to look at it as another game? Yeah, and like it's obviously a Dublin derby as well. So um, it's going to be a, a different atmosphere. There's obviously a different atmosphere for Dublin derbies. You know, it's going to be a, a tough place to go. You know, I don't think there's a way fans allowed in. So they're going to get right behind the team. But... Uh, I think as a group of players, we we mainly focus on one game at a time. So uh, look, we will focus, we'll we'll prepare the exact same that we prepare for every game. You know, we'll have our homework done on them, and uh, we'll go out on Friday and hopefully try and win the game. How much of a difference 
does having the fans there make good or bad? And this week, I will say it's a bit different because, as you said, you, you know it's it's going to be fairly partisan. There, there won't be too many Rovers' voices there. Yeah, no, it is, but it's it's fantastic to have fans back in the stadium. Um, you know, it makes such a difference at games. You can you can notice it. You can notice it straight away. Even when there were small numbers back in the stadium, you still noticed it. And now, obviously, with the numbers increasing, you know, it's uh, it's massive for the players, and I think it's. It also brings a bit more to the game. It, it brings a bit more atmosphere to the game. And I think everyone will say the same, that, you know, without the fans, it's it's nowhere near the same. And what about yourself? I mean, this is an incredibly strong Rovers team, so the competition is high. The competition in the league is tough, but the competition within your own team is fairly tough as well. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, I think, you know, we've got com- good competition in all areas, like the back, up front, midfield, everywhere. So, um Look, like I said before, I think I've said a few times, the uh, competition only brings players on and I think nobody's guaranteed a place in the team. So every day in training you've got to prove yourself, matches you've got to prove yourself as well. So I think it, as individuals in, in the group it, uh, it pushes us on and makes sure we're at it every single day to try and be in that team on Friday. And I imagine that stops any possibility of complacency because look the way it is Rovers have great facilities they're a great club pains me to say that as a Cork City fan by the way you can see the tear forming in my eye here uh, but look that's the way it is so it would be hard not to get complacent but I imagine that competition stops any level of complacency coming into the players yeah it does now 100% and, uh, and not just in games but also in training you know from from Monday all the players are right at it right up until Thursday you know and then obviously Friday looks after itself with the match but uh there's no complacency within our group, you know, everybody's pushing each day and I think the standard of training and everything like that, you know, it's it's very, very high. So there's no real time for complacency within the group. And I don't think there's obviously some experienced pros wouldn't allow it come into the group. So it's a, it's a massive positive within our group at the moment and uh, long way continue. The image I have of the Rovers group is if anyone gets a bit cocky, Joey O'Brien gives them a big boost. <laughs> And I don't have to say where is that is that the way it is? Ah, right? he'd be one of them anyway. Yeah, definitely, okay. definitely put himself forward to do that. Um, like I said, though, fantastic pro as well. You know, we've got loads of them. You know, experienced pros: Ronan Finn, Pico, Joey, obviously. Um, so you know, you got to keep uh, they'll keep the the lads, make sure their head's screwed on. So it's good. And what about yourself? What are the aims? I guess when a player does well or excels in the League of Ireland we're mad to get them on a plane over to England. Do you think of it that way or how do you look at it? Yeah, look, I think if you're if you're ready to go, you're ready to go. You know, it, it all depends on what club and style of play. You know, there's, there's lots of stuff to it. It's not about just about if one team comes into you for England that you just jump straight on the plane because I just, I think at the moment, the um, the way the league is going at the moment is very good. You've seen, obviously, international call-ups for players. So, like I said, there'll be no... Uh, There'll be no rush to get over, you know, because... Does that take pressure off you as a player? Because it used to be the case that if a, a team in England, nearly any team in England came in, the club were mad to get you out the door because they might get a few quid. You were probably thinking to yourself, geez, I have to take this. Whereas now you're at Rovers, you don't kind of need to make a big jump. And it's the same for maybe a couple of players at a couple of clubs. Yeah, yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, I think obviously if the right club comes in for you or whatever, you know, it's obviously, there's a lot, lots of stuff behind it. Obviously, if the club wants you to go, it's financial stuff as well you know so but like I don't think I think if you especially at the top clubs here you know I, I don't think people will be jumping on the plane just to get over thing and just to say they're in England you know I think like I said already with the international call-ups and stuff like that then maybe your time might come to go away but I don't think you'd be rushing away just for the sake of it you know Dylan Watts of Shamrock Rovers speaking as EA Sports announced the return of FIFA 22 SSE Electricity League club packs. Also at that launch was St. Pat's Robbie Benson. They go into tonight's game against Rovers six points behind and with the game more played. I asked him how he feels their season has gone so far. From the outside looking in we've probably exceeded uh, what was expected of us so far but within ourselves and the group we could see at the start of the season the quality that we had throughout the squad and um you know we're we're where we we would have expected ourselves to be you know in the mix for for the title and in into a cup semi and hopefully a cup final in time so uh, it's exciting times for the club and it's been an enjoyable season and 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 very uh I won't say successful because we haven't won anything but uh, very um you know we've we've we're we're on track 
should I say, to where we, we, we expect of ourselves. And you've got this far playing a nice brand of football as well, which is pleasing for fans. And I'm sure as players, pleasing for you because when a manager puts confidence in you and says, I believe you can play football, that must be a good thing for players. Yeah, um, you know, Stephen is a, and, and Alan and all the coaching staff are very, uh, you know, they want us to play, to, you know, play up through thirds and, and play good football. But the thing that that's most expected of us is, uh, is our work rate and our, you know, our attitude. And once, once that's on point, that's what, what they're really looking for of us on a Friday. And I think that's kind of shone through. And I think you can see that from us and, and the crowd, you know that since they've been back have have recognized that in us and they can see the the attitude and the commitment to the players that they're given every week and i think that the you know the fans get get a buzz off that you know they come down on a friday night and see the players on the pitch you know working hard for for them to to get a result um, it's really kind of helped us get a good connection between ourselves and the fans and uh, it's something that we've we've noticed as players and it's been good since they've been back we've won we've won eight out of eight so um it's been it's been good enrichment for us and you know hopefully that'll continue this friday they seem to be an appreciative crowd i mean for a lot of fans we we watch the clips of great moments of skill or great goals or whatever but what we won't appreciate is the run made off the ball or the run to get the ball back is that as important to you as those nice spray passes and those nice runs into the box that you make to get on the end of a cross. Yeah, look, anyone can you know make a mistake with the ball, but if you're just not, you know, the baseline is is hard running and, and working hard for the team and tackling and and being competitive. So, um, you know, that's the bare minimum you expect. And then obviously we have talented players who can who can express themselves when when we when we have the ball and you know we've we've scored a lot of good goals this year and. Um, you know, I think we're the highest scorers in the league, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a product of of the work we do and the training pitch to, to you know, to put ourselves in that those situations and, and score goals. And as one of the senior players, I won't say older, I'll say senior, more experienced players. Do you see it as your role to say to some of the young lads, look, you need to work, you need to run, because they might sometimes listen more to a fellow player than they might a manager. They can be told something, but sometimes maybe they need to be shown something. Yeah, it's more, it, I, I'd probably say it's more setting an example yourself and what you do and, you know, the, the senior players, God likes myself, Burmo, um, John, Paddy, Lee Desmond, Chris Forrester, you know, the, probably the, the older ones in, in the team. You know, if we're not running, if we're not being competitive, if we're not doing the right things, applying ourselves in the gym, the, the younger lads who've been brilliant for us this year, you know, they can just turn around and say, well, if they're not doing it, then then what, why should I do it? So it's important for us from that sense. But there hasn't been any any instances of that this year. And uh, as I said, it's a really it's a really enjoyable group to be a part of. And, you know, we, we, there's a good bond in the team now. I think Bermo's in his 40th season of League of Ireland football, yeah, isn't that right? In or around that, yeah. A big one on Friday night. Um, do you look at it as a big one or do you just look at it as another game? Because I think it's fair to say, if you don't win this, you're out of the title race. It doesn't mean the season is over, but it looks like the title race will be done if you, if you don't win this one. Um, I th- we approach it as any other game. You know, the preparation is the same, but there's no getting away from it that it is a big game. Um, we could win on Friday and not and not go on to win the title, but and I, I don't think we're out of it if if we don't win either. So um, there's a long way to go yet, but obviously, you know, a win would be you know would be crucial for us at this stage with with the games running out. And uh, you know, if if we if we do go on to win the game on Friday, it'll give us a, a right good boost. You know, going in and putting the pressure on on Rovers, and and it'll be a, it'll be a right battle between the two teams going on. You know, for the last last few games of the season. Do you especially look forward to these kind of games because throughout your career, you've always stood up in big games. Yeah, um, you know, I've played I've played in a lot of them, so uh, I'm sure you can find a lot of them where I didn't play so well either. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't go with that one, but. Uh, yeah, they're the games. They're kind of the games that you are measured on in your career, and uh, you know, it'll probably be of all the games this season. Maybe apart from the European games for the clubs who are in Europe, it's the it's the game that most eyes would be on um, so far, anyways. So uh, I'm sure all the players will be looking to give a good account of themselves. And as a club and a team, we want to show how far we've grown and how how far we've come this year. And uh, you know. The preparations have been good this week, and I've no doubt that we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll show a good of account of ourselves on Friday. Do you get annoyed as Pats players that Bowls and Rovers is called the Dublin Derby, whereas this is referred to as a Dublin Derby? 
Well, I suppose you know the you know the history of the, uh, of the game. Bulls Rovers would be you know considered the visit the biggest, but you know we I suppose big derbies and big rivalries are you know created when teams are really you know really going for it. You know I was involved with you know the Dundalk Cork rivalry when I played with Dundalk and like no history between those te- two teams, but because they were successful, then the rivalry became bigger. So it's on us as a team to you know put ourselves in a position to you know be going neck and neck with rovers for that rivalry to go bigger as as the years go on from now and you know bows are still in the cup we might meet in the cup semi or the final if if we both get there so again that derby could grow bigger if we're both competing for for honors at the same time Robbie Benson of St Pat's speaking to the extratime.com Friday podcast ahead of tonight's clash with Shamrock Rovers in Inchicore that's presuming that you're listening on Friday I'm really looking forward to that. If you can't get there, it's live on RTE television and you can follow it through extratime.com. Now, the man of the moment is Georgie Kelly. What a goal he got on, was it Monday night against Derry City? It was deep in injury time. It looked like Bowes were going to lose 3-2 and that would have been a huge blow to their European aspirations, league-wise anyway. I know they're still in the cup, but upstep Georgie Kelly to get what I think is one of the best goals ever scored in the League of Ireland, although, as I said to Stephen Finn earlier on, maybe I'm overhyping that. I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to get overexcited. Anyway, I speak to Georgie about that uh, goal in this interview. But first, I asked him if him or anyone around him is a big gamer. You know, I think that was a relevant question considering we were at the uh, launch of the FIFA F- FIFA 22 SSE Electricity League match packs. Yeah, I live with a few lads. Uh, Scott's two Scots and, and Stephen Mallon who are obsessed with it. Never, they never leave the thing. But um, yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> and will they be picking you to play as? How's your rating? Uh, actually, I haven't even heard. I haven't heard my rating yet. Um, I know them two got theirs, but Steve or Ali and uh, Ali and Limo got theirs the other night. But no, I haven't heard mine yet. No. Well, I imagine if the ratings were done after Monday night, yours would be somewhat higher. Talk to me about one of the greatest goals that's ever been scored in the SSE or Tristy League. Ah, no, it is. No, sir, no jokes aside, it is. It is. It is. I don't know. Don't, don't be modest. Um, but no, yeah, it was it was a decent goal. I probably won't score. Um, probably won't score many more of them in my in my career. So it's nice to it's nice when you do score them, and it's also nice. I was just saying there that it's. Um, you know, the league have kind of upped their kind of game around social media and marketing, where it gets marketed now. You know, all the goals. You even look at Flores's goal, and because they're all they're all caught in camera and they're uploaded so quickly, it's great. Like, so they're sp- they spread so quickly. And I've had you know family members who would never see League of Ireland games or goals text me saying, "Oh, I've seen your goal." And um, so it's a credit to it's a credit to the league and the SSE artistry for kind of pushing that. Um, and increasing that kind of awareness around the league like it's good for the league I think I think it means something to players as well when people are watching what you're doing it does mean something when someone sends you that text going nice goal it, it, yeah. it must mean an awful lot it does yeah it, ups, it just ups the whole profile of everything you're doing like and makes, you, it makes everything a little bit more relevant like so it's, it's definitely a nice little touch yeah um, talk to me about the goal talk me through the technicalities of it if you possibly can yeah um, well, I was just saying there earlier too to someone else there a reporter um, what happened like the way what happens is a lot. I, I get a lot of them crosses from them semi-wide areas, and I always try to head them. And they, like they would just because there's not loads of pace on it, the keeper would just catch them. They go into keeper's hands, like because the pace of the cross and where it's coming from, a little bit deep. Um, it has to be a great header to score. Like so, I just said I'm not heading it this time. Like I just so I just said I jumped, tried to take it down, and and. Uh, and just turned and had it over my shoulder and lucky it went in. Yeah, so it was great. And is that something you can practice? Maybe not that exact same move, but running onto a ball like that in training and telling lads, right, put it into this area, I'll try and do something with it, or how does it work? Uh, no, you don't really. That's kind of instinct. Yeah, I know, um, you know my touch off my chest has got a little bit better recently throughout training and through, through over the years. Like, um, But no, it's all kind of instinct, is all that is, really. like It's a heat-of-the-moment game. You're trying to get in front of someone and just take it down and turn and hit it. Like, there's no... Uh, there's nothing special about it. It's just that look, fingers crossed, then it went in. Like I don't know the numbers, but you're a striker in form. I think we can say that for certain. Do you only do stuff like that, like that goal you got on Monday night, if you're in form, if you've got confidence? Possibly, yeah. Um, confidence is massive in, in games, and especially in strikers. Um, you're probably right, yeah. If I am if I hadn't scored in a few weeks, then I, I probably don't do that. Like I probably try to take it down, lay that off, or as you say, try to head it and keep her catches it. So it comes with it, yeah. Um, yeah, confidence is a valuable asset. Like in in sports, and it's always I always think it's interesting. I feel like managers should be uh, 
should be kind of a lot more focused on like how can I instill confidence within all these players. I feel like managers maybe don't zone in on that enough because it's a huge factor. Like if you can if you can get uh, your players to play no matter what to play and play them with confidence, massive massive boost. Like it's an extra ten or fifteen percent, um, but it's obviously just a lot more difficult than that than it's uh, you know what it is to say. Like so, yeah. how could a manager do that? Oh. Um, I don't know. I've read, I was reading. Listen, there are different little bits about it, um, and about different types of drills. Uh, say if you if you said say you're just to say to a player like show me there now how. Say if you're, for example, uh, you're in a film and you have to portray a professional footballer. So go out there now and and pass and shoot and finish like you're uh, you know like you're one of the best players in the world. And um, if you can constantly play, uh, this is psychologist talking about this or some idea yet. If you can constantly train and play where you can instill that within players um, to have like free that kind of freedom, uh, you you increase you know you increase what a player can do and and that aura kind of that, that surrounds players and it's great. Like this will seem silly because I'm about to compare um, one of my junior B hurling sessions to your elite football. But basically, I remember making one of my many mistakes and the manager said, I'm not going to tell you you're useless because you'll believe you're useless. Now, it happens I am useless, but you guys are different. If a manager says to you, listen, try it, keep going, I'm not going to slag you off for trying something or even if you have a particularly bad game and the manager says, you know what, I know you didn't do that on purpose, keep trying, keep working. And they just try and be a bit more positive. Does that help build confidence? Yeah, it does. It's the psychological side of the game. Like that. And managers are kind of well in tune with that and they're becoming more and more in tune with that. Um, you know, maybe ten or twenty years ago, that might have been a little bit different. But managers are kind of jumping on board now and realizing that you know, players, if you can take a little bit more kind of self care with players, that they'll reward you then. Like, um, and even fans, I've noticed it with Bose fans in particular, um, where they don't they don't really get on your back as much as uh, all the say other fans that I would have encountered. Like. Um, where you can make mistakes but you can hear fans kind of encouraging more and players hear that like um rather than you hear moans i know what you some places you is that make. because they know that keith long has done a great job of building up this team he knows that you're not on the money that other clubs are and they appreciate that they get it I think so i think so they understand that and they know that no matter what them players are they're trying and they're, they'll run themselves into the ground for you um and that's kind of instilled within the club and, and, and the fans are part of it as well and everyone's kind of on the same page and we know that we're all doing our best to try and push on and do as well as we can and it's it's a nice tight unit like yeah. I go out with a Dundalk fan and every time you score goals now I can see a little tear in her eye and she doesn't want to talk about it so I don't push her on it but is there an element of I told you so for you in Dundalk? No, 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 no there's not there's not none of that, no. Is, um, it, is it just one of these things, football works that that's way? That's football is and that's the way it works. Um, yeah, that's just the way it works, and, and, and uh, you know, you, you probably as you stay in the game, you learn that. Then you fit. There's different fits and different styles, and and um, you know, that's that's how football works, and it's it's a game of it's subjective. Like you know, people have different opinions. There's no right and wrong, you know, in football. Um, and that's yeah, no, there's definitely no uh, there's no um, hard feelings about Dundalk at all, no. And come here, just before I let you go, every time a player goes on a good run or plays well, we shout for two things as fans. Get him into the Ireland squad, and the second is get him on a plane to England. That's a compliment, but it seems to me that you're not in a rush to do any of those things. You know, you'd like the Ireland thing, I'm sure, if it came along, um, but there's no kind of. You don't. You don't seem like you're kind of you know angling for a move here or anything like that. Uh, no, um, I know some players are different, and some players can't do everything they can to get to get over there and to get across and get on the boat. Like, but. Um, for me, as you say, I'm doing. I'm still in education. I'm doing a master's here, and yeah, there's more. There's more to it than just uh, this club wants you. Where you go, like there, it, everything. There's a lot, a lot of moving parts. Like, um, so yeah, it's not. It's not as straightforward with me as, as it probably is with a lot of other players. Um, so yeah, I'm in, I'm in no rush. Kind of, I'm kind of happy and content now at the minute where, where I'm at. Yeah, and the Bulls fans would be happy to hear that. Um, and just before I let you go, how important is that to have that kind of um, the, the, and just before I let you go, how important is it to have an education? You're currently doing a master's at the moment. Is that good to have something else outside of football? Is that good for your football both now and when you finish football? Massive, yeah. And I think uh, more and more young players are uh, are kind of buying into it and doing the same and, and getting degrees and doing undergrads. Um, and even at Bose then, because they kind of train part-time, it allows players then to maybe go and try and do a master's or do something else during the day. Um, it gives them that kind of flexibility. Like, um, But yeah, in this league in particular, like it's... Like you need you need to have and players on know this now and they're well and the FAI and that have done um, d- different programs and different um, you know days and 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 have spread information around how important it is to get educate get your education and uh, have something there to fall back on because this league's so unpredictable and things can happen and 
um, you're not at, you're not playing at the standard of uh, of high, you know English you know, professional players or different players places around the world. So you need something, and uh, it's great that it's growing. UCD is actually a big part of it as well. Um, UCD is a great part of it. And it was a great setup for me for a young player to go in, get a good education in UCD, and and play football at a good level. Uh, it's another very attractive option for players all around the country. I think at the minute, yeah. How many times have you watched the goal back since Monday night? I don't know. Yeah, quite a few. Not gonna lie. Yeah. It's because I don't know how I've done it. That's why. <laughs> I can guarantee you haven't watched as much as I haven't watched it back as much as I have. Georgie, thank you and best of luck for the rest not of the all. season. Not at all. Cheers. Well, patching of Dundalk, you're through to the cup semi-finals as we speak. It's the afternoon after the night before. Talk to me about that game because um, it was a real roller coaster, wasn't it, in mm. Oriel Park last night? Yeah, no, it was a tough game for us. We made hard work of it taking it extra time and got a, got the job done in the end and I think the crowd played a good part in it you know it was good to see see the fans back in big numbers um, and they pushed us on so nah, like I said it was a good result in the end and hopefully we can kick on from there now. You reacted very well when they got the goal it would have been easy to go the other way because you've had a tough season at times you had a very tough week that's been talked about in the lead-in so you must have been pleased with how you reacted. Yeah, uh, it was good character from from the boys, and just shows uh, you know the type of characters we've got in the group um, to go go behind, especially against Harps, tough team to play against, and and go on to win three one. It's a it's a hard task to do. So um, yeah, like I said, happy to get the job done, and and hopefully we can put in a few more good performances from now to the end of the season. What was the thinking at the end of normal time before extra time? Because the theory was, and I was sitting in the stand beside a load of Dundalk fans who were worried that because you just about had a squad together for this game, that maybe Harps would have had a bit of extra energy and you wouldn't have had the experience at the bench that you normally have. But obviously, it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. No, um, we finished strong, um, especially in extra time, uh, getting the two goals. So it was. Uh, it shows what kind of team we can be and, you know, brought out the maybe grittier side of us where we had to dig deep and boys coming in and like Maya playing centre-back, the young boy and Dara playing centre-back who's out of position and probably 70% fit as well. It uh, just shows the type of characters we've got in a group and shows that we play for each other and maybe the results haven't been there this season. Um, but I think we've put in a few good performances and once we sort out you know, conceding the sloppy goals and, and scoring more of our chances. I'm sure I'm sure we'll get a lot more points on the board before the end of the table. Before the end of the season, sorry. You mentioned Mario there and at one point in extra time he was he was leaning over with his hands on his knees and I, I said it to Ethan, my girlfriend, who's a dog fan. I said, I'm worried, he's young, you know, is he tiring? About 30 seconds later, he took the ball on the edge of the box and slalomed out up to midfield and carried it out of midfield. It was an amazing moment. No, yeah, he was uh, he was class yesterday, especially to uh, think it was his full debut at home. Yeah. And, um, he put in a solid performance against a, a tough striker as well. You know, in Sunday, he's a he's a good player, so um, he put in a real solid performance for us, and it's what we needed. You know, with our centre backs out at the minute, uh, he stepped in and, and made a name for himself. So. I'm sure I'll be putting thoughts in Vinny's head now for, for the next few games. There's a lot of talk around the club and about the club. Is that tough as players? Because I know you know, you try and block it out and the only noise that you need to hear is the manager and yourselves, but it must be tough to block that out because oh, there's yeah, so much of course, debate. Of course, uh, no, no matter how much you try to block it out, you know, you still hear things and like I say, we're all human beings at the end of the day. We do, we do hear and read things. So um, I'm sure it has been tough for the lads in that sense, but like I said, in one way, it's only us to blame for that people are making that noise about us. So we've just got to turn it into positive noise and and focus on ourselves, you know, stay together, which we have done. And we've got a close-knit group, so uh, I'm sure we'll be fine and hopefully get a few more results in. How much did last night's result mean to stay in the cup? Because it looks like Europe can't be achieved through the league and for this club and the players you have and the squad you have I think Europe is a minimum expectancy mm -hmm. so how much does it mean to effectively kind of keep the season alive by being yeah. in the semi-final? No, it was a in one sense it was probably our biggest game of the season last night you know getting a, getting a result and, and keeping the cup alive because like you said it is a chance to get into Europe and being in a position we're in at the minute in the table Europe is like you said looking unlikely and, and the cup is one way to get there so 
we've still got to focus on the league, you know, and, and getting the results in to get out of the position we're in at the minute. Um, but I'm sure with more performances like last night, we can we can do that in the league and and retain our cup uh, title as well. So, is it a different kind of mentality required for the league and what's left there? Because the focus there is getting out of relegation trouble, a battle that. Dundalk haven't had for quite some time. This bunch of players wouldn't be used to that kind of situation with Dundalk anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, it's it's not a position the boys have been in before or much of. So um, it'll it's it's it'll take a you know a strong mentality to get out of it and and a different side of us that maybe the boys haven't shown in the past. Uh, like you said, the grittier side. So uh, we've got to dig in for each other and and just focus on getting three points every game. And and I think it's fair to say that last night, the crowd showed that you're they're behind you. They might have their issues with the ownership, but I think it's fair to say the town is behind you. I had a walk around the stadium um, before the game and there was a great atmosphere and people just wanted to get behind the team. That means a lot, doesn't it, to the players? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, it was great to see the fans last night in in uh, big numbers in the stadium and you know singing all the way through the game and, and cheering us on. and. We just need to give back to them now, and um, the only way is, the only way of doing that is by getting the, the three points and and each game. So hopefully we can do that. And finally, Will, we're here for the launch of FIFA 22. Are you a gamer? Or are you a big I player? Am. Yeah, yeah, I'm a player. Are you any good? Uh, I'm all right. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll happily take anyone on and be confident. So no, nah, I like FIFA. Yeah, it's a good game and play playing Dundalk. So ah uh, yeah, it'll be good. Can't wait to get it and give it a go. And will you play as yourself? Will you play as Dundalk? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm more of a PSG player on it myself, you know, <laughs> especially now Messi's there. Sean Boyd of Finn Harps, um, as we speak, unfortunately, it's less than 24 hours after you went out of the cup, but I think you can take an awful lot of pride from the performance on Friday night and maybe even take some positives from the performance in Oriel Park last night, especially your goals. Yeah, no, I thought the game on Friday, obviously, that's been talked about enough. It, it was, there was a lot of character shown with the lads playing for 60 minutes with 10 men and you know, to get back into the game was very impressive. So, uh, no, last night it was a bit, uh, you know, it's hot in spells. We were probably the better team and maybe just a couple of errors or a couple of lapses of concentration for myself included. It, it just kind of cost us in the end. Is it frustrating that you didn't really drive on an extra time when maybe the theory would have been that they, with their lack of numbers, were tiring and you would, I suppose, a full enough squad should have been able to drive on? Yeah, I don't know. Like Dundalk are a full time team, you know. Like they they're in everyday training with the lads at Finn Harps. They're walking away, you know. That it's a different lifestyle when you're playing full time and as to when you're walking and playing in the evenings. It's, it's a big strain on the body. So I, I don't know. It's not an excuse or anything, but just it might might come into it, you know, with extra time, maybe a bit of concentration or just a last little push to have a go but it just wasn't to be in the end it's disappointing but you know that's what it is how important is it to drive on from here until the rest of the season yeah no it's very important listen you just gotta put the head down now and go again we play balls now who are obviously a brilliant team on friday and we're just gonna have to see how that goes but you know you don't want to just end the season and just kind of see it go out in a little stalemate you want to push on and try to get as high up the table as possible because it's still so close now you'll be checking every week and you don't know who's where so all it takes is a couple of results and you're back you're back up uh, the right end of the table there so and what way are you looking up or down because it could go either way at this stage couldn't it yeah of course like and, and listen Ollie wouldn't let us anywhere wouldn't have us looking anywhere other than what's behind us but you know what as players you probably want to have a look at you know, taking a little step up and seeing how it goes and, you know, seeing if there's any possibility of finishing higher up than last season maybe or, you know, you just don't know. So you're going to have to take it, I suppose, like, you know, you see game by game and see how that goes. But, you know, but just we need to, obviously, the most important thing is staying in the division. But, you know, if there is a chance to have a look above us and see if we can catch someone, why not do it? What about you? It must be great to just be back playing football because, look, we see it all the time. Footballers get injured. You were a little bit different because the fans, we actually saw it in that um, documentary and we kind of got an insight into the, the pain it caused you mentally and physically. So yeah. how good is it to be to be back? No, oh, it's great. And listen, come here, full credit to Paul and Ollie, uh, Paul Hegarty there. He's um, the two of them have trusted me. Like They've brought me in. I, I wanted to come... You know, I had a good pre-season there and, and 
they offered me a contract and they offered me a chance to sign and you know it, it's full credit to them because if they hadn't said that they had a torn that that torn me away you know who knows what happened so no listen we just like it's it's obviously a great feeling you know you're back involved in the team and you now the last few games to uh be playing a decent part in in, in the results or whatever so you know i'm happy enough and when those goals went in on friday night and even last night's goal uh went in did you kind of think to yourself I'm back, I'm fully at it again, or how does it work? How do you think? Well, I don't know. That's probably a funny question. Um, now, last night, you know, the goal last night, I thought it was probably the best goal I scored. Like, it's, it's, it's a good goal. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It's like a decent finish. Like, and watching it back, it, it, I've, I've done well and, and stuff like that. But like, you know, during the game and in, in spells, I felt, you know, like, like aside from the goal, I felt like, you know, I feel all right here. Probably just a bit of fitness, maybe I need to catch up on. But you know, I, f- I felt, you know, fit to a certain stage, and I felt sharp. And you know, that, that that's just it's been a long time since I've probably played a lot of football, and you know, it, it's probably a while since I've been feeling like that. But you know, it, it just last night I've kind of had a little thing to myself during the game. I said, "Geez, I feel alright here." So that's how it is. And it's good to see. And just before I let you go, you mentioned Ali there, kind of looking backwards rather than upwards he seems to as own toll walks by he seems to um in public talk in kind of negative terms but obviously he's a positive individual because you guys always look very motivated when you're playing under Ali. yeah it's just because the man he is he's an honest man you, you know you, you don't get any bullshit with him he, he's straightforward and he look out for his players that's you know that's what you get when you show people that he's like a people person he he, he gives respect and he gets it back so that's that's just what it is about Ollie and Paul and stuff listen there's, n- there's no um, they won't be cuddling you and telling you they're doing great and or what else. they won't be like mammying you if you know what I mean but they tell you what's what and you know that's what you want as a player you know that's that's all you can ask for and you see the results and performance that the, the team put in and you know you look at Mark Hoyle there like he, he probably gets a horrid time off a few of the coaches and stuff like that but every every single week he's man the match you know he covers some amount of ground and that's because Ollie has put together a squad of players who are such good characters and the staff themselves you know Sean Boyd of Finn Harps they play Bohemians tonight it was interesting to get an insight into the management of Ollie Horgan and I hope when he says that Horgan gives Coyle a hard time it's kind of like a joking footballery hard time as opposed to an actual hard time that's it from me as always we're back on monday when we look back on the sse or tricity league uh, premier division and uh, first division weekend there's a bunch of fixtures also in the sse or tricity women's national league cork city taking on ucd waves bohemians up against p-mount who very much are in the driver's seat regards the title Galway take on Treaty United and Wexford Dudes take on Athlone. Next Tuesday, it's UCD Waves against Wexford. Shelburne have to sit and wait until next week to play in the league when they face UCD Waves. Uh, we'll also look back on Monday on the Ryder Cup with Ronan McNamara of ExtraTime.com and Golf Digest. And we'll take a look at the United Rugby Championships opening weekend. That's it for me. Remember, if you want to... Um, talk to us or or have anything to say about the podcast you can do so via twitter at oshin langan or you can get us on at extra time news uh, we'll talk to you monday take care have a nice weekend